Hey people, welcome back to the Revival on the Air Today podcast. Uh, firstly, just welcome to those first-time listeners who haven't uh, heard uh, from us before, and particularly some of our international listeners. We've got people from all over the world listening to the podcast, including some new people from Hungary and from the Czech Republic. So welcome to you. Today I have with me Chris, or Pastor Chris. Hello, Ben. <laughs> That's a very official yeah. welcome. Hang yeah, on. I'm very good. How about you? Good. Yeah. I'll just call you Chris. Oh, absolutely. Is that, is that all right? Yeah, oh, yeah definitely, 100%. <laughs> So we're, uh, we're in my home today in our podcast studio, yep. uh, the makeshift lounge, <laughs> lounge podcast studio. <laughs> I want to talk uh, today a little bit about your testimony, how you came to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of linked to Ben, who was yep. a couple of episodes ago. Mm-hmm. So for those who are listening and haven't listened to Ben's testimony, you actually need to listen to Ben's first before you listen to this one, because they're sort of intertwined and yeah. linked. So you knew Ben, before he came to know God? Yeah, I knew the whole family, the Robinsons. Um, uh, I'm not sure that Ben broadcasts this, but I'll broadcast it. Is that um, Ben's mum? That's why I thought I would get you, because then we get the lowdown on Ben, and then maybe I'll get Ben down. We'll get more of a lowdown on you. Yeah, well, we always knew Ben's mum as Zoo, Z double O. Right. And we just said, oh, G'day, Zoo, how are you going? And um, because everybody thought that she raised a bunch of animals. Yeah, I really. <laughs> And uh, so Ben Ben was just a real party destroyer. Was he? Yeah. If Ben turned up at a party, that was it, party over. Really? <laughs> He's a very aggressive man. Was he? Aggressive as in violent aggressive? Very violent. If, you, yeah, if right. he was in a bad bad place, yep. if you looked at him... The wrong way. If you looked back, uh-oh. And was that his general nature? Was that when he was hopped up on drugs or...? Yeah, he just said he was just, just really angry at times and... You know, it's probably searching. Looking back now, you can look at the searching. Yep. But uh, I was more mates with um, his eldest sister, Debbie. Okay. And um, I knew Greg and Scott. I was particularly friends with Cameron, Camo. Okay. So um, I was living with a whole bunch of blokes down at um, McLaren Flat. Okay. And Ben, the word was out. <laughs> ben Robinson's become a Christian. Is that right? Yeah. And so did, did you know Vicky? I'd never met Vicky. Never met Vicky I met no. Vicky when I came along. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So Ben um, had changed dramatically, and I'd, we'd all heard about it. So one day I went to visit Ben's house down at Cambridge Terrace in Brighton, uh-huh. not knowing that Ben was there, but to catch up with his brother, yep. Camo. And, um, but so Ben rocked up, and I had this most weirdest experience in, in, at that time, was that he came out of the house as I was walking up on the porch, and I had leapt back. And there was this little voice in, inside me that said, that's what you're looking for. Really? Wow. It just looked so peaceful. The trans- transformation was was immense. Wow. From a really kind of mobile party destroyer. You ring yeah. up Robinson, you know, yeah. and there's a party's over. Yeah. You know, when you dial a pizza, <laughs> dial a bin. <laughs> <laughs> dial a bin if you want to get rid of your neighbours, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so he would... He would um, he was like that. That's yeah. his reputation. Wow. But then when he came out of the house, the front door, he just looked incredibly peaceful. Mm. And this little voice said, that's what you're looking for. Wow. That just blew me away. And I, I kind of let back. So, um, who, so who were you at this time? Who was, who was Chris before, uh, before that time? Yeah, well, I, was, I started, um, I come from a family of eight. There's mum and dad. Dad was a journalist. Mum... Uh, was in the federal courts with uh, child protection, yep. support and all that. 
and um, Irish Catholic family. Um, so I'm in the middle. I had a twin sister. Mm-hmm. So debates about politics, religion, footy, everything was on, on the table when I was growing up. And um, so that's pretty what, strong. Like, strong opinions. Yeah, I yeah. In fact, when Christine, my wife, first met the family. <laughs> She said she couldn't believe. What do you think about this, Christine? What do you mean that horse race? What do you mean this? What do you mean that? And she said she had to invent ideas that she never had <laughs> just to survive. Um, so anyway, getting back, that was the sort of family I came from. So by eleven, I was smoking. Eleven, twelve. Um, then by probably fourteen, I was taking drugs. Yeah, right. Um, right through to the day that I. Was filled with the Holy Spirit. And so how old, how old were you when you were filled with the Holy Spirit? Twenty-one. Okay, so quite a number of years, mm. and usually pretty full-on years. Yeah. Those those years. Yeah. So who so who were you? What were, what were you like? I never quite. I did a lot of things. I was um, adrenaline junkie. I, I partied hard, and I would do really wild things. And uh, I'd be the guy that'd be dancing on the table and the dare and all that. And yeah. Out for a laugh. Yeah. And, that was my life, and and drugs were a big part of your life. Yeah, big part, big part. Nearly, I don't think there would be days I could count on one hand the amount of days that we weren't taking drugs, and that ranged from uh, barbiturates, speed, um, magic mushies, um, sniffing glue, all that sort of <laughs> stuff, and all the other drugs that you get yep. at the time. Yeah, acid. <laughs> well, that my brain was fried okay. by the time I. <laughs> Came along to the Lord. Is that right? Yeah. So what happened was that Ben um, came one day, particularly after that time, to um, visit Camo. And um, that's the noise that okay? That's right. Yeah. So he came to visit Camo, and it was on a Saturday, and I was behind this couch reading a surf magazine. And I found that Ben was arguing with Camo's brother about the Lord, and Camo was arguing back. But I found as the afternoon went by, I had questions myself. Mm. And and then I found out later that Ben was talking to Cameron, but he was actually targeting me. So when he was talking, he perceived that I was I had my ears and I was listening. Ears were pricked up by what he was wanting yeah. to say. So even though he was talking to Camo, he was actually talking to me. Mm. And I found that throughout the afternoon on this Saturday afternoon that more and more I just thought, wow, this is this is the truth. Gospel experience with God. Um, I remember that bit that you could have an experience with God, that you could know that God was real. Yep. And that um, it wasn't religion, and no other man needed to be involved. Mm. You could know yourself. Mm. That was the bit that stuck in my mind because I always wanted to know whether God was real, and I never really knew. I was brought up Catholic, and I had a and that was a big part of Ben's testimony that mm. that he mm. was pretty anti-religion. Yeah. And I think you know when Vicky had sort of told him about yeah. the experience she'd had, yeah. and the the miracle that had been her you know, yeah. transformation, that it was through Jesus Christ, not through yeah. any church or religion or anything like that. And that was the the piece that really struck a chord with him. Yeah, yeah, mm. that's right. And and to not be involved with with another human being telling you. Yeah. So. Um, Anyway, from that from that moment on, I felt like I had a benchmark. Yeah. So whatever I did thereafter, more drugs. I did a lot of walk, had a nickname called Walkabout because I just would get sick of people, and then I'd just start hitchhiking around Australia and <laughs> <just> disappear. <laughs> 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 I 
And, you so know, like, it's not a genetic thing, is it? <laughs> it might be because my son Ben's <laughs> like it. <laughs> I keep saying to Ben, mate, it's in your DNA, mate, don't fight it. <laughs> so, look, that was... Uh, so, whatever I did, drugs, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll, basically. Uh-huh. And But it's like, well, do something. And this little voice in my head would say, well, you've done that. And then this flashback would take me back to that Saturday. That conversation with Ben. Ben. Mm. And I'd sort of have this mental gymnastic sort of argument in my head about what I was doing to what I heard. And it was like a, a, a checklist that, you know, well, that didn't work. So you'd sort of rub it out in your mind. Which I can imagine a lot of people go through their life. Yeah. You know, I'll do this, I'll achieve this, I'll do this, yeah. this thing, that thing and whatever. And then they cross it off and it doesn't. Yeah. Satisfy it doesn't fill the hole, it doesn't fill the void, it doesn't provide, doesn't do anything. Know, and then you, and then you get caught life. up in all sorts of stuff. I got involved in a brawl. Um, me and a mate of mine, he was a mate named Mark, and he was Indian, he had an indigenous nickname that we can't use anymore, yeah. but that was his nickname. It was you know, it wasn't racist, but so we did a lot of things together. And then one night at the Buckingham, uh, Buckingham Arms, we went there, and then we went to the Castle Plaza where there used to be a pub. Mm-hmm. And we took some barbiturates and some alcohol and some LSD. All those things go well together, yeah, don't it's they? a big cocktail, that one. <laughs> <laughs> and then we went across the road because we got hungry, and then we got into a brawl. Um, that night, I landed up in Darlington Jail for the night, and, and my mate... Mark, he ended up in hospital because he got hot fat poured all over him by the proprietor. Oh, wow. And that went through okay. that year, went through court. Yeah. We were found guilty, spent a bit of time in LA jail, mm-hmm. in remand yard. I was given a two-year suspended sentence, six months, for two years and a $300 fine back then. It's probably a lot of money back then. Yep. And um, that was another thing that you just, not only were you sort of searching for the truth, but you found yourself getting involved in stuff that you didn't plan you just life just took every which way. That's the life we led, mm. and that was one of those times. So um, anyway, um, back in 1980, um, I told Mark, my mate, that I was going to change soon, and he said, "When?" I said, "Oh, April, Easter time of the 81." And so, what was the? How did where did that time frame come from? Yeah, I just can only look back and think it was the Lord. Because he said, um, why, why Easter? And I said, I don't know. I said to him, I, he asked that question. I said, I don't know, I don't know Mark. Um, I just feel that something's going to happen. This was in the November of the previous year. So it wasn't like it was next week or the week after. No, it's that's right. fairly defined time frame. Yeah. Five months later. John Lennon died in the December of 1980. And that sort of rocked me a bit. I think what was going to happen to him. And then... Uh, as Easter came closer, I was hitchhiking and I was in Wollongong and a guy picked me up hitchhiking. He started telling me about God and he said, Chris, now's the time when uh, God is separating the sheep, those that hear his voice, to the goats, those that don't listen. And he said, which one are you? And then he pulled over and said, get out. <laughs> as far as he took me. <laughs> so I'm in the middle of this freeway. <laughs> Well, that thing just roll around in my head. I was pinging. Must have, th- must have thought you were a goat. <laughs> Get out of my car, you goat. Well, I just spun my head out, and it was getting close at Easter, and that was just running around in my head. Then I got back to Adelaide, got close at Easter, 
Then I had a, uh, went to, because I was living out at Kangaroo McLaren Flat. Got back there, had a party with about oh, 45 other blokes and girls, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we went back to a farm in Kangaroo. And we left the pub and got, went to the, the farmhouse, raged all night. And again, I, I can only put it down to God, but that night, everybody crashed out, bar me. So it was about four in the morning. And you could just start to see the light in the, in the horizon. Mm-hmm. And, I th- and I looked around and everybody's out of it. I'm wide awake. And I've taken just as many drugs and booze as what they have, but it just seemed like it had no effect on me. And then uh, I watched the sun, a bit of the light coming from the horizon. I remember his voice, this is your life. And then I said to myself, this is my life. <laughs> By the way, I haven't got schizophrenia. These no, no. are voices that and you, and I so can't describe. Them. I can only now think of them as the Lord. And so you're looking around at all these people passed out everyone and are, thinking this is, yeah, this people is that your are, life. Yeah, people that I looked up to, mm-hmm. out of it. People that I didn't know, guys, girls that you really liked, your mates, all out of it. I'm, I'm the only one awake. And did you ever... Tried changing your life before that? Stacks of times. Yeah. Just got worse. You try it for a day, you'd fail, and then you'd end up being worse. Yeah. If it's like if you try to give up cigarettes for two days, um, you'd end up smoking triple the amount when you took them up again. From the withdrawal symptoms. <laughs> yeah, just yeah, right. from the... <laughs> yeah. So that was a pretty, pretty difficult time. I had no real willpower either. I was... Just, I was I was adrenaline, adrenaline junkie in that sense, so I had no real willpower. So here you are, <laughs> you're awake, you've taken a whole bunch of stuff. Yep. In front of you is 40 people passed out yep. from their yeah, raging there actually, beforehand. There was actually 42. Okay. That, yeah, so I know that. Just, for, just to be precise. Yeah, sorry, that's right. <laughs> I thought I said 41, yeah. <laughs> well, it's just one of those things I just remember the night. Yeah. And it was coming up to Easter. Okay. This is your life, this is my life like an echo, and then you're getting closer to Easter, Easter Chris, nothing's changed. And then um, in the morning, uh, I had a thought, go see Ben, Cambridge he, Terrace. Yep. Ben Robbo, yeah. So I, I um, made my way from Claren Flat down to Brighton just before I went to Ben's house. I went into a church and went in and there was a priest drilling a hole, hole in the wall and I thought, oh, God's not here. He's not here. No way is he here. But I remember my prayer was, God, help me in my strengths. God, help me in my weaknesses. That was my prayer. Looked at the priest. God's not here. Walked out. And the reason I went into the church, because at the very last minute I chickened out from seeing Ben. In Cambridge Terrace. Why? Why did you chicken oh, out? I just thought, oh, I don't know, I don't know if God... I was, I was actually scared that if God was real and there was no proof, I was going to look like a real moron. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking, how am I going to explain to my mates that this isn't real? So that was that battle. So I walked out of the church. So why did, why did you think maybe he wasn't real if you'd seen such a transformation in Ben? Yeah, that's a good question. Maybe I just didn't think I was ever going to have that personal for me I mean part of me was not feeling particularly worthy um, just some pretty bad things which is not uncommon I mean no. m- most people a lot of people feel that way yeah mm. there's things that you do in your soul that I'll take to the grave with me 
things that there's no real edification in things that I've done, mm-hmm. and which I now identify as sin. And I worked out that sin fell in two categories. There was things that I, Chris, had done to other people's lives by the way of sin, by destroying some aspect of their life. But there was things that people did to me. Mm-hmm. So you feel trapped. You feel uh, resentful. Uh, all those characteristics that you have, that you carry with you. Um, so this is this is kerning with the drugs. And people often categorise sin into bad sin, yeah, okay sin, yeah, terribly bad sin, <laughs> That's right. don't they? Yeah, they do. And so they feel justifiable sin. Justifiable sin. So they mm. feel as if maybe God can forgive them for these certain sins, yeah. but not for the real bad ones. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Correct. Spot on. When in fact, we know the scriptures say completely yeah. opposite. Yeah, and that's why even now as a Christian, I don't. I'm at peace with my past. There's things that happened to me, um, without going into detail. But I can give you a generalisation. I went to a private school, yeah. um, Catholic priest and all that, and brother. So you know that, those things mm. ha- had affected me. Mm. But I don't hold myself as a victim because. I did things wrong to people, not not in that aspect, but in other things. I remember getting two young lads, Aboriginal lads, me and a mate of mine. They wanted, they came around the house with all these worst guys. They'd never taken drugs, and we we let them have some of our drugs, and their life after that was wrecked. Mm. They just got heavier and heavier, and I know the start point. Yep. So you know that your, sense. your place was ground zero. Yeah. Yeah. So that was my sin to them. So anyway, um. Here I am in this church, God's not there, I walk out and I walk down this hedge so you couldn't see to the left side of the hedge down the road. There's a pathway back to the back to the road. The church was set off the road a bit. I get to the footpath and Ben Robinson was standing there, just standing like he just appeared out of, <laughs> out of nowhere. <laughs> the guy that the and last... How, and how far was his house away from him? Other side of the railway line, yep. probably you know half a mile, to a mile, <laughs> and he and and I'd avoided that very thing of seeing Ben at the last minute, mm. and there he was, and you know you know the first thing he said, Chris, you won't find God in there, the very thought that I'd had, yeah, in the, in the church, and he said, Chris, you find God on your knees, one on one with God, that's where you find him. I started shaking, and he invited me down to Karakalinga. Bearing him on, he must have thought it was weird even to see you there. Yeah, I mean, this is a, this is a long way from my Clarence flat. Yeah, correct. Right there, boom. We we he was walking, and I we actually bumped like that, ninety degree bump. Anyway, so I'm getting closer to Easter. This is the Thursday night, Friday morning, sort of stuff. And uh, so it's. So Thursday, uh, this is now, Good Friday coming up, that night, more partying, same impact, I'm the only one awake, and then, but then, then I thought, I'm getting out of here. So I was trying to borrow, borrow a, a Kawasaki trail bike, but a guy wouldn't lend it, so I ended up riding a push bike from McLaren Flat to Mopponga that night. I've, I've done that before, but back then on dodgy bike that you've borrowed, I'm oh, sure yeah, that that's right. no, <laughs> wasn't an easy thing. Yeah, there was no lights, no, secure, no safety, blah, blah, blah. No helmet. No, no, nothing. So I slept under a tree 
in Maponga that night, mm-hmm. and then I rode on to camp. When I got to the Karakalinga camp... So that would be probably 40 or 50 clicks, maybe? 40 yeah, 50 it was, clicks, it was a yeah. long ride. A long ride. And bearing in mind there was a lot of drugs in, in my body and booze um, at the time. So Friday morning, I ride into, into camp, Easter Easter. Friday. So, so this is our church camp down yeah, at Karakalinga? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. And I didn't realise that it was a church camp. Ben just had come down there, he'd meet me there. So I rode into the camp, got to the kitchen in the, in the campsite, and there was a girl by the name of Robin, I found out her name later, and I said, can I buy some cigarettes? <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> we don't sell cigarettes here. I said, well, can I get some beer? Said, no, we don't sell beer either. And I thought, oh, this is a Christian camp. And then I tried to get out of the camp and I got dragged into caravans all, all that day. Not literally dragged, invited <laughs> well, in. Invited I think. in, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, from an unsafe perspective, I got dragged from, you know, oh no, I'm just trying to get out, trying to escape. Anyway, um, so then Saturday came, Rob Ben turned up, and I went into Normanville to buy a packet of cigarettes. Lit up the cigarette, and I to this day think it was God. I sucked on that thing as hard as I could. The red, the red I'm pointing to about you know one centimeter long red. When you suck it really hard, it gets right. that red bit. It's really long, and I'm just sucking the life out of the cigarette, and nothing was coming out of my lungs. Wasn't having any effect. I on flicked you. the cigarette, thinking that something wrong with this packet. Mm-hmm. So there's 19 left in the packet of this Marlboro. Here's Chris, who's tried many years to give up, never been able to do it. That night, this is now the Saturday of Easter, going back from right back from November, this is my how it worked out for me. Ben invites me down to the Karakalinga Beach, the car park, to have some prayer. And we had some prayer, and he said, just ask um, God for the Holy Ghost. So I didn't say... Hallelujah, which is one of the things that we get people to do if they want. I just said, God, give me the Holy Ghost. And I couldn't get the word ghost out, and I just burst out in this tongue. And the very first sentence I said after that happened, I just was just blown away. This tongue, this language coming out of me. You'd never learnt before, just... Never learnt. Yeah, and just like it talks about in Acts. Yeah, that's right, Ben. And two things just miraculously happened. At that very moment, well, three, tongues, language. Uh, then I said to Ben, not you, Ben, the other Ben, yeah. Ben Robinson, Christ is alive. Was my, I just knew so in that knew second, instantly. instantly. Yeah. And then my head would be, because I was a thinker, mm-hmm. was full of questions. And I'd go through all that scenarios of that gymnastics I was mentioning about earlier on. I'd ask, answer one question about life. And it only just generate well. If that's the answer to that, then there's much, this. What happens here? Here, here you know, as an example. But when I received the Holy Spirit, my my mind was clear, at peace, totally. Wow. And that contentment that I'd seen in Ben, those years earlier, probably two years earlier, that moment happened to me. That's how powerful it was for me. So the drugs left, the cigarettes left, the alcohol left, the blasphemy. Swearing, the whole lot, the anger, 
wow. that I had was all, all gone away, just in that very, very moment in time. And I still remember going, I opened my eyes and I said, Christ is alive. So I knew then that this was real. I was baptised the next day and the Sunday. Um, and I had a cut chest from bad lungs, from just raging, smoking cigarettes from a young kid all those years. And I could never uh, fully have a clear lungs. Mm-hmm. When I got baptised, I just felt like him. mentally it just pictured that someone had gone in and got my lungs, mm-hmm. pulled them out. And give me two new sets. Wow. I could breathe and I could pull my chest back. So I got healed of something. The phlegm that I'd produce is <laughs> <was> pretty bad. <laughs> it was pretty yucky. I won't go into detail now, but yeah. I can imagine. So then we go through the whole camp. The Monday, Ben gives me a back, lift back to McLaren Flat. When we could pull out onto the main road, I, I grabbed these cigarettes and I wound, wound down the window and I threw them out. And he said, oh, what you had them for? I said, the whole time, Ben, I was so guilty. The moment I received the Holy Spirit, I felt guilty I even had them. I was too embarrassed to tell you. I said, I've been completely healed of cigarettes. Mm. No, no, Nothing. And later on, I found out in life... So by now, it's like two days or yeah, three two, days? Yeah, two, two, uh, it's the third day. So you'd be right at the raging yeah. withdrawal symptoms about to chug down two yeah. packet type. Guaranteed. Yeah. More, especially the morning. <laughs> and this was in the morning mm. of the Monday. And uh, so I went back to McLaren Flat, where I was living with all these guys. And what had happened just... Earlier on, like about a year or two earlier, we'd been growing all this, these drugs, marijuana. <coughs> Excuse me. And in case of a drought, we had a, a good crop of marijuana heads. We put them into, I think it was about 10 20-litre containers, the ice cream containers, you know, those silver yeah. ice cream containers, yeah. jam-packed full of heads for a drought. <laughs> and I was given the... We had all our, all our mates and... We said, right, we need to draw a straw. Who's going to bury them so no one else will know? And it was, those years earlier, it was given to me. So down on this side... Oh, so you'd, you'd buried, buried them previously, them. hadn't told the hadn't, guys where they were, yeah, just no, so that other people didn't go and yeah, borrow from the correct. store. And that was the deal for everybody. Okay. One person was to know, and that just drew straws, and that happened to me. This is a couple of years earlier. So down in this old creek bed were these containers, and then I, I went down there on the, the Monday of being spirit-filled, and I went down there before everybody woke up. I filled up, got all these containers, and I put them on the table of this old farmhouse in Bluett Springs, well, McLaren Flat, but Bluett Springs, Maritz Road. And these old guys all sort of staggered up. I hadn't been at home for a couple of days. I'd been down at the camp. And I said, guys, these are all yours. I'm free. And they looked at me really weird. And there's a guy by the name of Dave. He said, what's happened to you? I said, Dave, I've received the Holy Ghost. It's real. God's real. And then I'd, I'd known Dave for probably 10 years. We talked about a whole lot of stuff. You know, you name it, we've talked about it. At that point, he said, when I was little, my two-year-old sister died. And I always wanted to know what happened to her soul. 
And he started asking me questions about the soul and about God, about the afterlife. And at that moment, I thought, wow, this is not religion. This is real. Mm. Here is here was a God I knew was opening up to a part of his life that none of us knew existed, and it was about God. And at that moment, I thought, wow, this is power. This is power. This is truth. This is real. This has answers. That's what happened. That was my real big... Because I was, I was petrified about going back to the house, take, digging up all the drugs, and how am I going to explain myself to my mates? And then I didn't have to. Yeah, because the power was there. And so they saw, they obviously saw your testimony, they saw mm. the transformation. Straight away. So what happened after that? Well, it must have been the Lord because there was two, two drug houses and then within a week, we'd been there for years, the landlord said, oh, we want everybody out. <laughs> and it was the week I came to the Lord, got baptised and spirit-filled. So I ended up moving into some, with some guys in the church yep. and closer to town. Wow. I remember thinking too that... I had the best view of McLaren, McLaren flat, but I, and I'm not being smarty pants. It, it was even then I remember looking at this beautiful view of down the Fleuro Peninsula. But I used to think, but I feel like I'm a desert inside. And yet here I was now Christian, living in Jew Street, Thebanon in town. I hated the city, but I was li- I was living in the middle of what I thought was a desert. But I had the greenness. I remember thinking, I've got the beauty of greenness of country inside me the beauty of God you know nature the mm. Lord connecting with God yeah right that's how I felt at the time not being smarty pants now that uh, literally how I felt at the time mm. yeah that was a big traumatic and then I had to tell my family and that was full of challenges I bet it was yeah. so how long ago was that that was in 1980, April 1981 April the 18th of 1981 I received April 19th baptised so I can imagine I mean now you're a very upstanding <laughs> citizen. You're a pastor for our church. Yeah, 57 now, Ben. You're 57? Yeah. Well, listeners can't see you. You certainly don't. It doesn't look 57. No, it's funny because all, all my family got dark hair. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why, but... Um... So that was a long time ago now. You're yeah. a very different person than you used to be then. Yep. I imagine in your travels, and you've lived overseas, and mm-hmm. you've lived here, and your travels as a pastor, you've just come back yep. from Papua New Guinea. <laughs> yep. Uh, for the listeners who have probably just listened to Liz and Louise, who travelled with yeah. you with Louise a bunch of others. Yeah, Louise and Thelma, as I called them. <laughs> sure Liz was that thrilled when I called her Thelma anyway. Yeah, well, that's good. Um, Carry it on. <laughs> and so you've seen, no doubt, many amazing yeah. miracles that have just continued yeah. to concrete and cement your, mm. uh, your great walk with God. Is there anything particular that stands out? Um, well, in London, uh, uh, Pastor Martin's wife, Lisa, mm-hmm. um, impressed me with a lady, uh, Tanju. Hello, Tanju, if you ever be listening to this. We yeah. do have some listeners from the UK. Yes, I remember okay. you saying that just mm-hmm. recently about the UK, just prior to the start, the start of this. And Tanju had been in a horrific life. I mean, she'll share her details, but we're talking some pretty bad stuff, that life had dealt to her mm-hmm. and Lisa had followed her up when we say follow up she'd visited her every week for two years mm-hmm. and this is now you know 20 odd years later and that woman's life is just such a different life because Lisa stayed with her faithfully 
helped her to get baptised, helped her to receive the Holy Spirit by constantly encouraging her because she was down in the the pits of despair. Mm. You know, she was a, just a broken young woman, mm. and yet Lisa was very loving about the way she dealt with her. So that stands as a wonderful story to me about where this woman in such a despairing life had been dragged up. And it also impressed me the way Lisa, with the conviction and the love of God, stayed with her, didn't give up. And now that wonderful woman, Tanji, has got a, has had 20-odd, five years thereabouts of a wonderful life that she was never going to get. Mm. So that's one story. Mm. That stands it the is, test of time. It is pretty amazing. And, and until you experience it the love of the brethren inside the mm. church is just absolutely phenomenal yeah uh, it's real it's real it's it not put on it's not phenomenal fake. we don't get anything for it nope. i remember <clears throat> i was in hospital last year which is mm-hmm. a testimony for another time mm-hmm. after i got knocked off my bike um by a couple of cars and I was in, I'd had some surgery. And I had a bike, and nothing happened to me. No, was, that's right. And you had no helmet either. <laughs> that's right. But what, one of the experiences of the, the love of the brethren for me was that I was in this ward with mostly older people uh, who'd had bits of their legs chopped off. You know, I, was in the, uh, I was in the vascular ward. And I'd had, I mean, the night of the accident, I think, Pastor Paul was there, was my first visitor, yeah. boom, straight there, yeah. to have some prayer with me. And then a constant stream of other people from the from the fellowship to mm. encourage me, pray mm. with me, yeah. bring me food. Fantastic. You know, you know, Endless. You know, you know what hospital food's and like. And it didn't run out, did it? No. It was stayed with you? No, it's just... And, and there was a guy uh, opposite me in the ward and... Uh, and after a couple of days, he asked Emily if she could find a phone book for him. And the reason he wanted the phone book was because he wanted to ring up his church and ask his pastor to come and visit him. Wow. There's the difference. And he'd had no... You know, it just almost broke my heart. Yeah. Oh. It just broke my heart. But what it did, it just gave me such amazing encouragement just to feel so loved by the, mm. by the brethren and the fellowship. Um, and that's that example yeah. of yeah, Lisa. And so that, yeah, that mm. I, I love hearing those stories. That's mm. I remember that from last year with yourself, and and um, there was just so many people praying for you mm. and believing that you'd be well and looking after your kids. And mm. but it is it is fantastic. I mean, it's a great yeah. it's a great uh, it's a great life and it's a great fellowship and there's just such great love there. Yeah, Amen. Um, I, hear, I feel very privileged to be part of it. I don't know why the Lord called me. I don't know. I don't know why. Out of a family of eight. I do remember a couple of times when I was, I reckon I would have been, mum remembers this too. I, I was probably 10 at the tea table, four kids, four kids, mum and dad. And she said, oh, it's quite fitting that in a large Irish Catholic family that one someone becomes a priest or a nun. She was in the kitchen <laughs> and she said, what about you, Chris? Not the, not the nun, but the, <laughs> but the priest. And um, I went, no. But something inside me thought, oh, but it's about God. And then the next day I was at school and at St. Paul's and I went, I went to St. Paul, St. Pius, St. Paul's Christian Brothers College and Brother McManara said to the whole class, it's normal that one of you boys will become a brother or a priest to serve out your life in servitude to God and who's going to do it? 
and no one put their hand up, everyone put their head down, and he said, what about you, Chris? I reckon you'll do it. But it just sort of stuck in my mind. Mm. So I, I do remember as a kid having you know, that knowledge of God in my own self. I remember being five years of age, looking up at the moon, and there's two pairs of rabbit's ears in my left-hand side of the moon, top part. <laughs> I wasn't tripping at the time. <laughs> but you can, I can still see it now. They look like bunny's ears. And I used to think that was God waving at me as a five-year-old boy. Mm. And I'd have these nightmares of me spiralling into eternity. And I'd wake up in fear. I can ima- five years of age. I can imagine a lot of people must have an awareness, a knowledge, mm. a question about does God exist mm. or... Definitely. Or what, young, what, what young role, kids too. Particularly young. And then that often gets... Yeah. Dragged out of them as they go through their teenage yes, years and, and the disappointment of life and push down. Yeah. And so it is often, I would imagine, strange at 19, 20, 21 for people to yeah. have such a dramatic you know, transformation and, yeah. and uh, yeah. you know, like you and like Ben and like, like many others have had. Yeah, and look, you're, you're young. I mean, I'm, like I say, I'm 57 now, but I don't know what Ben put. In fact, I think we both talked, we felt washed out, burnt out. Mm. There wasn't really much left. At 20 years old. Yeah, honestly, we both felt. Wow. So you've just, you just done a whole lot of stuff that was just mm. damaging our soul. Mm. Just, I wonder where you'd be now. Three places. I really believe this. I'd either be dead, in jail, or a mental home from drugs. Burned out fried brain. Not very good options, are they? No. <laughs> it would not be the life of living now. And, and look at the life you're living. Yeah. Blessed. Married. Wonderful family. Yeah. Christine, we've married for 34 years. Um, three children that have had uh, good lives, and they've now two of them married. And then we've got three grandchildren. So, All of those, uh, all of those yes. people lay their lives to God, don't they? Yeah, that's right, mm. Ben. Mm. And, you know, you, you look at your life and you think, boy, it goes quick. So... It's not never too late. And I've got this view too that no matter what age you, you get called, you might think you're old or young, but God knows the right time for that person. And, and I, there's a scripture that means a lot to me about uh, redeeming the, the time for the days are evil. And I found out early in my walk all that word redeem means to give back that which was lost. I'd lost a lot of relationships. People that even to this day haven't, Followed the Lord, but I had damaged relationships. And when I got baptized and filled the Holy Spirit, God gave me back those relationships. I don't know how He does it, but mm. it's like the part of their life and my life is edited, the bad bits, and it's reconnected. Well, plus He changes you. Yeah, right? the relationship's right. always about two people, and so He changes you so dramatically yeah. that it allows that that to happen. Yeah, well, it's never, it's never well, too late. That's probably that, that's it, yeah, isn't it? It's it never, with it, the U. it's never too late. My auntie, who's been my great aunt who's been with you know, my mum's you know had a walk with God for over 40 years and she told my auntie 40 years ago and obviously many times in between and she got baptized only a few months ago at 89 years wow, old wow that's brilliant 89 years old never too late and right on time for her it's brilliant now you've got a favorite scripture for me I have been um, this is on my Bible cover it's in Revelations 12:11, and they overcame him which is the devil, by the blood of the Lamb, Christ, by the word of their testimony, living a good life, and they love not their lives unto the death. I think about the death, which is the death of our soul, 
if we're not following the Lord or the death of our natural life and that if we stay under the blood of the Lamb then we, no matter what confronts us we're going to live forever mm. that's why I like that scripture Amen Thank you Ben Thank you we might, uh, we might wrap it up Yeah thanks very much for this opportunity Thanks for sharing your testimony Great Thank you very much all right, listeners, we're going to leave it there. So if you haven't listened to any of our previous episodes, you can subscribe to us at revivalontheairtoday.com where there are a few links in there to the various podcast apps like Apple Podcasts or iTunes or TuneIn Radio or Stitcher or Podbean. Make sure you subscribe there and you'll get, uh, you'll get all the episodes delivered straight to your phone or your computer. Don't forget to review and rate us so that we can get the word out there. And uh, thanks for listening. And until next time, God bless. Mm -hmm.